This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! today has been. Uh, we're recording this on a historic day. We won't mention it. Hopefully by the time this comes out, there will be a game plan of how to deal with historic issues involving the Supreme Court. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. instead of thinking about the Supreme Court, let's think about the fictional town of Swan's Crossing. Yeah, which is, I mean, not as disturbing. <laughs> Pretty close though. But not not great. <laughs> not, not great. Not great things happening in Swan's Crossing this week. <laughs> Not great things happening anywhere this week. Yeah. Uh, well, Gotta get to, not great sometime. Gotta get not great sometime. Right here on Gotta Grow Up Sometime. A Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. Oh, we watched episode 48. 48. Surprisingly boring, and yet it had a lot of really gross lines that are fun to talk I would about. Not say, I would not say boring. I would say very tense. Yes. There were scenes in here that made me extremely uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Um, and the rest of it was boring. <laughs> Let's talk about your predictions yeah, from last week. Yeah, go for week. it. You thought that Glory and JT would be disgustingly cute. I kind of. There's a little bit of cuteness. There wasn't yeah. nearly as much cuteness as I was expecting. Right. Uh, if, if Neil was actually coming out of the coma, which maybe he wouldn't after all, there would be scenes in the hospital with science stuff. I would say that's right on. Crushed it. Both Callie and the Baldies would be fresh on the trail of the new mystery of the Hot Rocks. No, Callie. No, Baldies. No Hot Rocks. <laughs> the Rocks, if there were any Rocks in this episode at all, they were of mild to moderate temperature at best. <laughs> Sydney would boot Billy out of the car for coming on to her. I mean, I'm going to give you that one because we'll get to it. Yeah. It was close enough. Sydney tells Mila what happens and they reconcile. Garrett ends up pissed with Sydney because it's not getting him any closer to these goals. Uh, no. no. Uh, Billy would remain in the show until the Friday episode. I think this is the Wednesday episode, right? This is the, uh, yes, this is the Wednesday so episode. So we might have two more episodes with him. We'll see. We'll put a pin in that. Okay. As they say. Yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about the thumbnail? I do. JT is in his Oakland Athletics t-shirt standing next to the hospital bed. Behind JT are the curtains, which cover the walls of what I assume are the soda shop, and a saline drip and a monitor. Oh, so wonderful. Uh, We open on JT and Glory still making out while the synth music swells. Lip-locked in a way that only teenagers can be, completely oblivious of their need for oxygen. (laughs) Yes. Neil's doctor comes back into the room and clears her throat so they like break apart guiltily. <laughs> JT says, uh, we're friends. <laughs> to which the doctor's response is, I can see that. She kicks the horny teens out so she can finally prep Neil for surgery. And Glory leaves with the doctor, but JT just doesn't. He just, even though she's like, get out, he yeah. stays in the room. He grabs J- He grabs Neil's pager, puts it back on the bed. I assume it moved during the dance party in the last episode. Uh, and then he gently says, 
Talk to me, Buckyball. <laughs> How is he going to talk through the pager? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've got a note about the pager thing that happens later. Oh, good. Cut to the hospital waiting area. Garrett is there to bring Glory home. She wants to stay through Neil's surgery, but he's worried because she needs rest. Yeah. Uh, JT joins them. Uh, Garrett's snide commentary about JT elicits a very protective response from Glory. JT actually ends up siding with Garrett and encourages Glory to go home because, you know, she's been abducted. <laughs> she was in a snake pit for she like was in 15 a snake hours. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Garrett leads her off with a, uh, someone should look after you, let's go. And then JT sits on the glass coffee table in the middle of the waiting room where there are all empty chairs. <laughs> He can't be bothered with chairs. He's a buckyball. He's got he's got buckyballs on the brain. <laughs> he's a man of science. Buckyballs on the brain is not a bad title for this episode. It's not. Cut to the Mercedes, parked somewhere in a dark landscape, where Billy Gunn is attempting to sweet talk Sydney, and Sydney looks a little terrified, frankly, which is good. Okay, behind them in the set are these tiny flashing lights. <laughs> Which I assume are supposed to be fireflies. I don't understand. Like, have people on the West Coast never seen fireflies? We have never seen fireflies. Because every time I see fireflies portrayed by someone on the West Coast, they look completely ridiculous. <laughs> Firefly light is yellow, and it's a soft on, soft off when oh. they blink. And every time I see fireflies from people on the West Coast, it's they look they look like tiny paparazzi flashes like going off. Lights. It's exactly <laughs> it. And I'm like, what? Have you all never been to the Midwest? Is it, it really is like flyover country for most of the people on the West Coast? Apparently. I mean, I I have been to the Midwest several times, and I have always wanted to see fireflies, and it has just worked out that I've never seen them. There's only like a week or two towards the end. Of of the summer when oh, they're out. See, I mean, it's, it's it's a timing thing. Yeah, they they don't they don't hang out for a long time. Uh, but it's hilarious to me. This happened in a play I saw <laughs> recently where it was like the fireflies <laughs> were like, bop, 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 bop. Ah, jeez, what's wrong with them? <laughs> these these fireflies are sick. <laughs> they got into the coffee. Jeez. All right. <laughs> the dialogue in this scene is both hilarious and absolutely awful at the same time. Like, oh yeah. Here's here's a sample. Billy Gunn says. It's so quiet, I think I can hear our heart beating. First of all, one heart, two of them, okay. Sydney says, I think it's the crickets. And then he says, they use that sound to attract their mates. <laughs> to which Sydney says, interesting. To which Billy says, no, my young thing, you are interesting. Oh, he's so gross. He's I mean, so gross. I'm calling I'm calling psychopath of the week for Billy oh, right now. First like first scene out the gate. Out of the gate. 100%. No one surpasses him in psychopathy. The oh creeper dialogue gosh. continues with Billy cr trying to romance Sydney and Sydney slowly realizing that Billy is getting too close and they're in a very secluded spot. Yep. Ugh. So he he takes the tack of talking about what a sophisticated girl is doing in a place like this, yeah. and she seizes the opportunity to start motor-mouthing about how how great Swan's Crossing is, <laughs> which, frankly, is, uh, like, that would drive anyone away. <laughs> and, yeah. and Billy sort of, like, pops back to his side of the car. He asks if she's the mayor, and she says no, but her mother is. He tries calling her love, which she doesn't like at all. She corrects him and says it's Sydney. 
So he does it again. He doubles down. So gross. Back to the hospital waiting room again. There's okay. a flurry of doctors doing doctor things. Right, they're bringing a gurney through the waiting room. <laughs> no one is on the gurney. <laughs> I don't I don't know why the gurney is coming through the waiting room, but whatever. Uh, the pager on JT's belt goes off. There's and 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 he looks at it and says, "Neil, Yes! And goes running to the doors. We cut to commercial. Yeah. And by the way, he runs to the doors of what's clearly the front of Swan's Cafe. Yep. So you're right. This is 100% the restaurant set worked over. Yep. Folks, this has got to clean up sometime. <laughs> the podcast within our podcast where we talk about the weird bounty commercial on ChatFactory.tv. Today, I'd like to do two things. First... I want to mourn the loss of the Bounty commercial because I haven't seen it in several episodes and I'm a bit worried that it may have been retired from distribution. Second, I want to talk about the commercial for Texas Pete's Hot Sauce. This commercial features probably four or five vignettes of good-looking actors putting hot sauce on their food. Some of these are amusing, like the woman in the jeep out in the rugged wilderness who smacks open her glove box with the butt of her fist to reveal a bottle of Texas Pete's, which she then proceeds to dump on her taco. <laughs> Another involves a woman sprinting through the rain to reach a food tent where an attractive bearded fellow is waiting with a bottle of Texas Pete's to enflavor her burrito. But the thing I really want to talk about here is the John Williams-like score that makes this commercial truly stand out. <laughs> this is the type of music you would expect to be accompanied by flashes of lightsabers, flying superheroes, or a man in a fedora wielding bullwhip. <laughs> and the fact that this music is underscoring beautiful people dumping Texas pita hot sauce on their food is what makes this commercial truly noteworthy. This has been Gotta Clean Up Sometime. Why are the commercials on Shout Factory so weird? <laughs> because Shout Factory is so weird. It's like it's like commercials from another dimension. It's, it's just so funny. It's so odd. Oh god. Well, when we come when we come back from commercial. JT has somehow rushed out of the hospital's front doors and back into Neil's room, where we see him clutching his pager in his fist. I don't know what is happening here. How did Neil use this pager with the power of his mind? Well, here, this is the thing, here's the note that I took. Two-way paging had not been invented at this point. The two-way pager would not be released by Motorola for another three years when this show came out. You did homework! I did. I did homework. Yay. Um, so I assume this is a rich people thing. I guess it's got to be a rich people thing. Mind-controlled pagers. So here's what I think happened. <laughs> So you remember, like, last episode where we saw Callie put an object into Neil's hand? Yes. I think that was Neil's pager, and I think he's been holding it this whole time, and I think the pager that JT held to, like, Neil's temple to try to mind meld with him was JT's pager. I think. This is ridiculous. Yes. You've had a lot of weird-ass theories on this show. 
This is this this is where I draw the line, Libby. You draw the line at mind meld pagers. I I draw the mind line at mind meld pagers and the idea that Callie was putting Neil's pager into his hand. What was I she refuse, putting in his hand? I refuse to believe that. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I may never know what it was, but I refuse to believe that it's the pager. Okay, well we are at an impasse. I. I thoroughly believe that Callie slipped Neil some weird spy shit. <laughs> Maybe you should put the hot rocks in his hand. <laughs> That's probably why he's okay now. Probably. You know? I, was... I don't know. I maintain Callie put the pager in his hand because Callie, being the wise one of Swan's Crossing, understood that he could somehow use the power of his love for JT to communicate <laughs> through the pager like... I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like some sci-fi. Is this like here. a Brigadoon scenario <laughs> where the power of love will operate the pager? So we had a Jane Eyre situation a couple weeks a ago. Brigadoon scenario. Now we have a Brigadoon scenario. <laughs> That's another good title. <laughs> <laughs> JT and oh. Neil have some friendly banter. Then JT offers his hand and Neil clasps it in a bro handshake. Total bro handshake. It's it's almost like the predator handshake if these children had muscles. <laughs> Back at the Mercedes, Sydney is snuggled up next to Billy, which is inadvisable. Yep. And uh, they're looking at the stars. <laughs> Billy says, right there next to that exploding star, there's a black hole sucking it in. Ugh. Billy, how the fuck would you know that? <laughs> oh, indeed. And Sydney says... I didn't know you knew so much about anatomy. And then she sort of jumps away from him and, him and corrects herself with astronomy while Billy leers at her and calls her again, young thing. Ugh. Uh, if he, I literally wrote in my notes. I said, if he calls her one th young thing one more time, I'm going to reach through the screen into the past and strangle him. <laughs> she tries to distract him with more star questions, but Billy will not be distracted. Yes. He tries, she, uh, she tries to convince him that she does actually have a boyfriend after all. And he asks, then, why did she come out into the woods with him? And he, and she says, well, why did you come out here with me? And he says, it's obvious. Yes. And she's just wondering why he's not still interested in Mila. He pulls out the car phone and tells Sydney to dial Mila's number uh, as his social secretary. And if this goes, uh, if, <laughs> if you do your job well, you'll get a, quite the promotion. Oh. Uh, that's, that's not a promotion, Billy Gunn. No. 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 Sydney calls Mila. We cut to Mila's bedroom where she has apparently just been holding up Billy's framed picture and gazing at it for an indeterminate period of time. Oh, God. We, she picks up a phone we have never seen before on this her nightstand. Is, it's a princess-style phone. It is the third phone now in Mila's bedroom. Okay? Between the teddy bear phone, the, the red shoe, shoe phone, and, and this. This. My God, how many fucking phones do you need? Ugh. Mila wants to talk to Billy, but he unfortunately tells her that they've played their last set. Yeah, he just dumps her. Dumps Mila dumps her. hard. Oh, uh, Mila is like collapses on her bed, heartbroken, but she doesn't realize how lucky she is. Right. He. So back to back to Billy and Sydney. He looks at her and says, "So the road is clear." And she says, there's just one more obstacle. Me! <laughs> and she jumps out of the Mercedes. You go, Sydney! Falls hard, like, <laughs> just biffs it once she gets out of the car. 
And then she sort of looks back at Billy. He sneers at her. And then she starts walking off through the dark forest Thank alone. God. Way to go, Billy, you fucking creep. Uh, cut back to the hospital with a close-up on the Einstein bear. <laughs> as the doctor is marveling that given the force of the explosion, Neil doesn't even have second-degree burns as if he was being shielded from the heat. Yes, shielded from the heat. Get it? <laughs> Perhaps it was a heat, a heat shield. shield. <laughs> yeah. But she decides not to operate on Neil after all since he's doing so well, but she does have to keep him overnight for observation, and she warns JT that there must be no excitement. Yeah, you horny teenager. Oh my god. Are you just friends with Neil too? <laughs> as soon as the doctor leaves, JT immediately starts chewing Neil out. Yep. Uh, he, uh, you know, about the stupidity of the experiment, but Neil protests that it was the day they were going to be testing the heat shield equation, and he decided to go it alone. He thought he had the equations in his head, but he was super upset about what was happening with JT, um, so he he biffed it. Screwed it up. He did. And, uh, ooh, sorry, yawning. That's because our podcast is so <laughs> riveting. It is. It's, it's astonishingly <laughs> gripping. Um, yes, his, his, he says his mind was too scattered because his feelings were too strong over JT breaking up with him as a friend. And I as guess. we all know, men should not have feelings. <laughs> That's right. JT assures him, don't worry, he's still mad over everything that happened with Glory. We cut to commercial, and then when we come back, it's straight into a scene of JT just ranting at Neil. I know. it's This scene is so weird. It's like it's like we go from zero to a hundred immediately. <laughs> over the space of a commercial. Yep. You're like, whoa, what happened while we were thinking about hot sauce and bounty towels? Yep. <laughs> JT calls Neil a jerkazoid, which is a nice word I haven't heard for a long time. I didn't, I've never heard that word. It was very 90s. I was homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. Neil says JT was right when he said that friends were more important than anything, and he's learned his lesson, but in the process, he lost the two most important things in his life. JT and Ubi Jubi. <laughs> but he says he'd give anything to have JT back, even if it meant giving up Ubi Tubi for good, because now he knows that friendship is the most important thing. Yeah, they get a bit of resolution here, and, and JT starts musing about the heat shield, uh, and as, uh, as they're discussing that, we get a zoom in on JT and cut to Sydney arriving home at the Rutledge house. Oh. Everything is a mess, including her. <laughs> She's so pooped and mad. Yeah. And the phone rings like right away. She goes and picks it up. Fuck, it's Garrett. He's calling from his porch. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like the split screens are so good because you can barely make out that it's the booth porch, but it's definitely the booth porch. I love it so much because like they knew they could, they only have the two sets for the booth mansion. They knew they couldn't have him in Glory's room because she's supposed to be asleep right now. They're like, right. shit, we gotta put him on the porch. Let's put him on the porch. <laughs> he uh, wants an update on the Mila situation, and Sydney's like, don't worry about them. Mila's out of Billy Gunn's life. You get Garrett your... has a clear road. Yep. She tries to get off the phone to get some sleep, but Bear has come up with a perfect plan to win Mila, and he's insisting on discussing it right now. You oh. know, because the birth certificate, yada, 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 yada. Oh my god, it's so dumb. It's like, like why can't this wait until the morning? It's so crazy. Right? Um, Speaking yeah. of not waiting until the morning, <laughs> we crossfade to Sydney later that evening, like, doing her hair in the mirror, like, still in the same clothes, not going to bed. I don't know why she's so concerned about how she looks for her bed. 
Well, I think she's, because she's going to go meet Garrett, but... Oh! Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. But Muffy comes in in the midst of this, and she can tell by the look of her that something's wrong. She tries to get Sydney to talk about it, thinking it's, you know, about Neil's accident. She tries to get Sydney to talk about it, and then just proceeds to railroad the conversation for the next three minutes. It's so great. She thinks of a good expression that she's going to use in her campaign speech. Here's the good expression, you guys. A whole town raises a child. That's not it, Muffy. It's it takes a village to raise a child. But it's like, aphorisms are not copyrighted. Why did the writers do this? I'm right. so confused. I, I'm probably because they didn't want to make it political. Had had <laughs> Hillary's book come out yet? I don't think so. No, no, no. Oh, this okay. was 1992. This was definitely Oh, that's that. the end of the Bush era. Yeah. yeah. This okay. was like right as the Clintons were coming into power. Oh my yeah. God, it's so crazy. So funny, though. But um, Muffy finds it encouraging when disasters strike. Odd stance, Muffy. But it's because the whole town comes together to support each other. And then she says, It's so terrible when you're in trouble and you're alone. To which Sydney gives one of her intense stares into the camera. This this whole scene is filled with Sydney intense stares. <laughs> because that's, like, the camera, like, Muffy is talking off camera and all we get is Sydney, like, terrified of losing her family. Oh God, it's so good. And my, like, my favorite soundtrack moments alternate underneath it where we have the pensive piano music and then we get the doom stings. Yep. And then we get the danger stings, which are like, dun dun! <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, fortunately, the conversation shifts a little bit, and Muffy starts gossiping about Mila and the Countess, having just heard about the earlier situation with Billy at Swan's Cafe. Um, <laughs> Muffy, Muffy describes Mila as looking like common trash, and the Countess doesn't even know what's going on. Oh, God, it's so good. She mentions how disastrous it would be if the Countess were running for mayor and it was found out that her daughter was running around with Billy Gunn. So Sydney's like, oh shit. Scandal. Yes, scandals. She reminds us that scandals will absolutely destroy you in society's eyes. Oh, oh God. Now, Sydney does seem at some point in here really close to actually like trying to explain what's going on. Yeah. But Muffy just like runs right over her and we cut to commercial. Muffy, really on fuego in this scene. When we're back from commercial, the doctor's checking Neil out, and Neil is hilariously trying to do everything to her exact specifications, like bending his arm at a particular angle. Um, she brandishes a needle, and he finally shuts up. <laughs> then the phone rings, and the doctor answers it, saying, Room of the worst patient on this floor. <laughs> <laughs> it is JT, back at home in the hammock, uh, Glory in the foreground, maybe doing her nails. I don't know what's happening there. <laughs> Neil grabs the phone and demands JT get him out of this archaic torture factory. <laughs> now, I want to talk for just a second about the use of the word factory here. Okay. Because a factory is a place where something generally is mass-produced. <laughs> How do you mass produce archaic torture? <laughs> That's it seems more like a specialized like service industry thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you like, put that on your resume like let's see here. Oh, I see you've worked in retail, great. Oh, you were a barista for a couple of years and it says here you worked in the archaic torture service industry. <laughs> Can you expand on that a little bit? Tell me what that was like. Because I've heard about I've heard about the factories. I didn't know you could do like a boutique archaic torture experience. You know, I thought all of all archaic torture was like line produced. <laughs> I thought they had automated most archaic torture production lines. Oh, you would think so. 
Okay. Um, the Sorry. boys begin buckyballing each other a little bit. JT says, <laughs> "Okay, it's never been a verb before, <laughs> and that's that's I I I think I may need to draw the line." <laughs> buckyballing. Can we meet in the middle and agree that buckyballing can be a gerund? <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure, I'll take a gerund. <laughs> JT says that he and Glory are going to stop by and bring him a care package with some snacks, which Neil is stoked about because the hospital food is, and I quote, primordial ooze on toast points. Because mm. toast points are a rich people thing. Yeah. The care package is, have you talked about what it is? No, not it's, yet. Is, it's from Agar, which I don't know what that is. Oh, no, no, no. Agar, so, Agar, so earlier in this conversation, Neil references feeling like a paramecium. Right. And then... JT says, we've got some agar for you. Agar is like the, the sterile gel that you can grow stuff on in science experiments. Like if you're going to grow a colony of like uh-huh. fungus or bacteria, uh-huh. it grows on agar. So, okay. So it's something that like bacterium or like a fungus eats. So... I'm more confused. <laughs> not, not about what agar is. But why there is a paper bag with hand-lettered agar on it that seems like it's sandwiches that JT yeah. is about to bring to... I mean, is the idea that he's bringing food to Neil and that if Neil were a paramecium, this would be agar? Is that the idea? Yes, but I think the real answer is because the script called for it. Got it, got it, got okay. it, yes. Okay, okay, <laughs> everything is clear. So anyway, um, yeah, they're going to bring some sandwiches. And uh, <laughs> Neil starts complaining again about the hospital, and JT yells into the phone, See you later! And hangs up on him. It's great. Which I love. Uh, he turns to Glory, who has found a new poetry notebook, and asks JT about it. Um, there's, she reads a line about something about being protected from searing heat or whatever. And she says, I thought you were never going to write a poem again. And JT says... Well, he's learned from her that he should never give up on what he loves. So obviously he's still working on UB2B. <laughs> she flashes a cute smile and we cut to Mila's bedroom. Yes. This was the moment of cuteness it in this was. episode. It was very cute. Yeah. Um, Sydney enters through the elevator and says that her that uh, Mila's mom had to unlock the elevator to let her up. And Mila informs Sydney that Billy Gunn just dumped her. She is on her bed in pink pajamas hugging one of her teddy bears. Super sad. Uh, Sydney is carrying a single red rose. And she tries to convince Mila that she's better off, which she is. She absolutely is. And Sydney says, Mila had the chance to see Billy's true colors early in the game, which is also true. Bullet dodged. Yeah. Get out. Uh, Mila's still feeling hurt, but Sydney's got something to cheer her up. The rose is from a secret admirer. Oh, Mila's like not into it. She's like, I'm not in the mood for jokes. Sydney's like, dude, it's not, I'm not joking. This is for real. And Mila says, well, I'm not in the mood for secrets either. But Sydney says, it's a good secret. Yeah. It's a guy. He told me to tell you you're the most beautiful person he's ever seen. And the way that Sarah Michelle Gellar delivers this line is amazing. (laughs) It's like the amount of eye rolling that's happening behind Mila's back is fantastic. (laughs) Mila decides to write. I'm going to take that again. Mila decides. (laughs) Now I'm leaving it in because it's funny. Mila (laughs) decides to write the secret admirer a little thank you note. If Sydney will deliver it, and the pensive piano music plays while Sydney realizes she's about to be trapped in a message-carrying scheme between Mila and Garrett. This is a uh, 
<laughs> this is a classic Cyrano. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We're circling back around to another Cyrano situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cut to outside the Rosnovsky mansion where Garrett is waiting. When Sidney comes out, he wants all the deets on whether Mila bought his secret admirer scheme. This, the funny thing here is is Sidney's completely real question about what are you doing here? And he's like, there's no way Mila can see me from her window from here. That's like so He's like in front of the house. I know, it's so funny. Jeez. Sidney hands over the note and she asks him, of all things he, he could have her deliver to Mila, why did it have to be a single red rose? What, and Garrett says... Why not? It doesn't mean anything. Not for us. What once was ours is history. What do you care? Mila's got roses. You've got Billy Gunn. There's nothing between us but guns and roses. And he looks very pleased with himself as he delivers that last line. Serial killer music plays uh, through, like, all of this. And then Garrett walks off with a smirk. Is that my car? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Folks, if you just heard that uh, car alarm going off in the distance, it was not my car, you'll be pleased to know. I'm delighted. Anyway, yes, Garrett smirks off into the darkness, and we freeze frame and roll credits on Sydney's agonized stare. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a bizarre episode. This? Ugh. Yeah. Well, I presume we are uh, 100% on the same page that Billy Gunn is Psychopath of the Week. No question. For sure. And did we have a swan count? One uh, new fake swan on Mila's bed. That brings our total to four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 118 other swans. Right. I want more actual swans, Libby. I, know. I was promised more actual swans. <laughs> I was led to believe that there would be more actual swans in the Swans Crossing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are your predictions for next week? Okay, we got very little Callie, Jimmy, Saja in this, so I think we're going to have a, a episode that's uh, central, like centric on them, maybe also some Sandy and Owen in there. Uh, I think this is the episode in which we get the Hot Rock, <laughs> the Hot Rock investigation. <laughs> Uh, maybe more with the Baldies, more with Barrick. Uh, I think because, because the soda shop set is covered with the hospital set, I think we get some shots at Tool and Die. So I think, I think the, the scenes with Jimmy and Callie happen at the Tool and Die. And maybe we also get some shots of the studio with Sandy and Owen working on, uh, I, I think Owen is oblivious to the fact that Billy Gunn just absolutely despises him and is, is like, working on trying to, like, put something together before Billy leaves town. Uh, sticking with my prediction, I think Billy leaves on the Friday episode, so I think he's probably in next episode a little bit. The question is, I don't know who he's talking to since he's broken up with Mila and Sydney has, has given him, you know, the runaround. So... Maybe Sandy. Maybe he starts hitting on Sandy <laughs> or Nancy. That would be hilarious. That would be incredible. Would be. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but it would be amazing. We probably also get some follow-up on the secret admirer plot with Sydney passing, you know, information back and forth between Garrett and Mila. All right. Great. Well, uh, whatever happens, it's sure to be a thrilling adventure full of uh, child predators and science experiments. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod and on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod. That is confirmed and verified. Excellent. Finally. <laughs> nice. Until we meet again next time, friends. May there be nothing between you and your enemies but guns and roses. <laughs> I see that.